Brave is a skill. It is not a personality trait. It is a skill. Welcome to Hardly Working, a podcast about how we can improve work, life, and everything in between. These are recordings from live conversations on Fishbowl, a social network where professionals of the same industry have anonymous career conversations. You can join us live next time on the Fishbowl app. We have events every day. Okay, let's dive in. Thank you, everybody, for joining this uh, Fishbowl Live event about all your questions that you have about having a career coach. Uh, My name is Eva Beasley. I am the Fishbowl community leader of the Women in Tech Bowl. I've been in tech for the past 15 years, and I'm actually starting a new job on Monday, so um, I don't have my profile updated yet, but I will on Monday. And with that, I am going to hand the reins to Nicole to let her do her introduction. Absolutely. And clap, clap, clap for your new role. It's very exciting. There's so much opportunity specifically for tech right now. So my name is Nicole Trick Steinbach and I'm the international bravery coach for women in technology. I coach women all over the world and I do that because I built my career globally. I lived in Germany for 13 years, although I am an American. I'm back in the US in Golden, Colorado. And I have clients all over the world because my career has been all over the world and there is so much opportunity for a global career, a career that really interests us and keeps us younger and more curious and excited. And I really fell into career coaching because I had really bad behavior. So I was in my mid-twenties, I was working for someone who was really an aggressive type A personality and I took over his success criteria and became aggressive, not assertive. And thank goodness I worked for a place who could see my potential. And instead of firing me, which I'm sure I deserved, (laughs) actually sent me to career coaching where I learned about assertiveness and aggression and the difference. And from there I have, so that was in 2007. And I have to say, I've had a few breaks in my career where I did not have my own coach for various things. And those were the times that were really difficult for me. And a couple of years after my first experience getting coached, an executive at the tech company I was at kind of threw me without any skills or certification or, you know, even, I'll be honest with y'all, desire, threw me into quote unquote coaching one of his. a a direct report he thought was uh, a high potential and ended up being a a wonderful person. Um, From there, I realized I had no idea what I was doing and got certified, got addicted, and actually built an executive career around coaching and change management um, and communications. And now, since two years, I've been committed to coaching. And um, for the gentlemen on the call, I actually do coach men as well. Men have been the primary resource or my primary source of clients when I was um, in corporate because men are identified far more for high potential than women are. Um, But I will be talking about the female experience unless you ask a question about the male experience if there is a gender difference to the topic. Did I cover everything, Eva? Yeah, I think so. And that kind of puts into a good segue. If you have a question at any time, feel free to interrupt us. Do not wait till the end. Just tap that um, join us speaker button in the lower right. um, And we will, um, you know, uh, allow you to ask a question. We want this to be interactive. And if you're not comfortable, feel free to click on my name or Nicole's name and send us a direct message and we can ask it anonymously. But Nicole, just to kind of kick things off, Can you tell everybody, because I feel like in 2020, we saw a huge increase in career coaches with most of the tech areas being remote. What is it? What is it not? I mean, do people kind of treat you like a shrink at times? Like what exactly (laughs) is the benefit of career coaching for people just to get it out there? Oh my gosh, I love that. 
So um, I am twice certified. So I'm certified by a European body as well as an American body. And then I also did a corporate certification. So what I want to share with everyone is I am not a therapist. <laughs> and anyone who does not have a background of therapy, psychotherapy, et cetera, and are popping into um, a coach role, that is something to be very suspicious of. Now, what I do do is I support primarily women in technology around the world to identify who they want to be first in the future with their passions and their vision and their income desires, etc., so that we can build a strategy, a networking plan, a skill build plan, we can address some difficulties that they may be having or some weaknesses that they may have identified. Side note, a lot of times the weaknesses are actually strengths that other people don't respond to really well. Um, so getting clear on that kind of stuff and then ensuring that the client continues on without the coach. So. For me, I have a number of clients who continue to sign with me or stay in touch. But at the end of the day, my goal is that, and as a twice certified coach with uh, over seven years of intensive experience, my goal is that my client will basically like outgrow me and move to the next coaching or mentoring or sponsorship or whatever the case may be. Um, because I do have, this is now me specifically, because I do have a lot of trauma in my life, so single mom, welfare, hunger, speech impediment, all the good things, I do have a lot of clients who are also healing from trauma. They do not do that with me. That is a line of inte professional integrity that for me is very important. They do that either with a coach therapist or with a therapist themselves. So it's really about who do you want to be, making a strategic plan for how you get there, breaking it down into a networking plan, a skill dev plan, addressing specific areas. For some people it's interviewing, um, for other people it's speaking up in difficult times, like asking a question right now to two people you, maybe you don't know. Um, and then moving forward with the skills and the identity that you've built into the rest of your career. Okay, great. So mm -hmm. I guess it basically depends on when that time period should be up to the individual. I mean, could it be Absolutely. if they're looking to pivot, they're looking to get a promotion, they're stuck, they're, I mean, it could be a number of reasons. I mean, they're, as far as the timing, correct? Yes, yes. And I actually, I reached out to my client base and I asked them, when should you get a career coach? Okay, so these are people who have worked with myself, potentially other people as well. And it was very interesting. So what came back, collected into a couple of different groups is, you feel stuck or unhappy, right? You're doing, number two, you're doing what you know to do and it isn't working. You're not getting the result that you want or you're getting the same result over and over again. I know that for a long time when I wanted to go for a director role, I kept getting offered manager, senior manager positions. And I was like, what is this? I want to be a director, right? The other big bucket was you don't know or you're the, you're the first manager. person to do something in your life. So for me, you know, the background I was coming from, nobody had ever traveled to two countries, let alone to like, I've been to like 35 countries or so 25 countries for work and the rest for pleasure. Nobody knew how to help me do that in my network. So I was coaching. And then the fourth big bucket that my clients sent back to me, my current and previous clients was, when things are really good and you want it to stay that way, <laughs> you want to keep enjoying and growing and seeing promotions and pay increases and the balance of your skills and know that you're making a difference. So those were the buckets that they really shared with me. And I think that that's valuable. And there are different coaches who focus on different areas. So for example, if someone was to come to me and say, I just need an interview coach, I ham up and 
I say things that I don't actually mean or I'm too responsive, then I would actually say I'm not right. I'm not the right person. There's really good resources out there to help people with specific skills. Great. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And um, so I know if you look at your website, um, and I think you talk about this. I mean, it's in your your title. It's in your actual title. Um, mm -hmm. Is the word brave? Can you specifically state how you use bravery with your career coaching? Yes, a hundred percent. Okay, so it has two fundamental principles that I claim to be true. Number one, brave is a skill. It is not a personality trait. It is not limited to the superheroes or the founders in Silicon Valley. It is a skill. The second thing to be true is you can build it because everybody already has it. So, you know, I had a speech impediment. I still spoke and that was really hard for me. I have clients who have been told literally to sit down sit down, we'll let you know when we're ready for you. And they still insist on bringing their expertise into meetings. So those are the two things that have to be true for the rest of what I'm going to say. And if anyone disagrees with me, I'd love to hear your perspective. So over time, built on you know the um, change practices of the European Association, as well as the American um, change management practices, um, then the grief, and, grief, death, and dying, um, we have the Project Management Institute, et cetera. There's a lot of resources that I pulled up, including how the brain works, a little bit of neuroplasticity from um, NYU. I created a framework that's really simple and really goofy fun, because I like to have goofy fun. And this is what I work with my clients through. Um, it's tell it to your dentist, which is all about clarity, so you get very, very clear. To be my client means to be working consistently consistently on being ever more clear about who you're becoming and what that requires of you, right? At the same time, the second part, and these are not in an actual order, some clients start in one place, some start in the other, is um, experience it like a kindergartner. And this is all about momentum. And for this one, I like to tell a little story of two kids. One of them sees a new attraction, like a climbing wall, brand new climbing wall. We live in Colorado. And she runs to it, she tries, she falls, she has all the experiences of joys and failures and my knee is scraped and I'm so excited I got so high. That's one way of momentum, experience it like a kindergartner. My other child is the exact opposite. He'll slowly walk up, he'll, walk, he'll watch a few people, give it a shot, and then he goes into action. And he also has all of the emotional experiences. And that's what momentum is all about. And so for my clients, it's about being clear and taking action, learning and experiencing in movement. So bravery is a skill. So we're always building it. And we're doing that by learning something, experiencing something new, or taking a new action. And then the third part is, um, I call it own it like a boss. And this is all about accountability. And I'll be really frank, um, most, so my male clients are usually fantastic at momentum. And my female clients are usually spending a lot of time in accountability because accountability is about relationships, mindset, beliefs, or lack of belief. What we do consistently, our habits, and what we don't do consistently, and making sure that we are consistently looping back. The relationship part is the most important for almost all of my clients long term because it's relationships that create new opportunities, right? And so um, when it comes to being brave, I like to quote both Glennon Doyle and Brene Brown. So call me a cliche. Um, so Glennon Doyle says brave is disappointing everyone else, but never yourself. So I've had clients go to smaller companies and their parents thought that they were insane. I've had clients move internationally at times that was like, what are you doing, COVID, this is crazy. But then the other part, but disappointing everyone else, never yourself. And then Brene Brown says, be vulnerable, but don't blow up your whole system, right? So speak up, use your skill, and also leave space for other people. Right, which goes back to the aggression and assertive part I said earlier today. So that is how I bring 
Brave is a skill. You already have it. <laughs> it's way more than crushing the competition into my coaching so that my clients can really experience big, big, big differences. Awesome. And um, just to uh, to reset things, um, obviously, if you have a question, feel free to join this uh, join the stage by clicking the join the speaker button in the lower right. I did receive a direct message. Um, so I am going to ask you this uh, question real quick verbatim, Nicole. Um, it says, what are some very important qualities to vet a career coach with if you're in a situation where you're stuck in your career and also... How can you continue to keep a relationship with your coach so that you can come back if you're looking to climb higher? Oh my gosh, those are two really powerful questions. Okay, so the the number one thing is, unless you're going into a program, I, program, I'm, I'm actually gonna take that one, I'm gonna carve it out and put it to the side because the program is really a group endeavor and a space that's hosted by a coach or by a facilitator. So if you're looking at one-on-one -on -one coaching, the number one most important thing for me as a coach and me also as a client is making sure that I feel I can be myself and say the stuff that I maybe wouldn't say otherwise, right? And so if you don't feel a brave space with this person, right? If you don't feel that they're going to help you with what you're actually talking about <laughs> and not what they sell, right? Then keep going, right? Um, the other thing is, are they easy to work with, right? So what I mean is there's this idea, and, and I actually experience this mostly with North American coaches, but there's this idea in consultants also, it's like, oh, I'm really, really busy. I'm really, really busy, right? My job as a coach is to set my clients up for success. Now, of course, I have boundaries and I clarify that, but if somebody doesn't have an appointment for a couple of weeks, Think about if that really suits you, right? For me, that doesn't suit me. I have had um, coaches that win awards that are making a huge difference, but they make space in their calendar for new clients consciously and consistently. They do not overbook themselves and they're not harried getting onto the call and getting off of the call. So that's some stuff that I would really um, consider. Okay, here's something that puts a lot of bees in a lot of bonnets, pushes a lot of people's buttons. From my personal experience, a coach that does not have a coach is not coaching properly. If I'm not dealing with my stuff and growing, then what exactly am I handing people? I'm handing them my breakthroughs and my experiences of a few years ago, which are incredibly valuable. But with every single client, I come into a situation where I'm not exactly sure how I can best serve them. Of course, I self-coach, but all of the coaches I've had that were not worth the time and the money did not have their own coaches and we're not investing in themselves. So ask, ask them, please ask them. So we've got fit. Is it a stretch? Do you feel like you can step into being a new version of yourself or are you being pushed in? We've got availability and ease of working with them. And then we have that they invest in themselves through their own coaching. It's very strange. Like, could you ever imagine a doctor not having a doctor? That's just a really strange idea, right? Okay. The fourth thing that I think is really important, um, oh my gosh, it just left me. Oh, is that you see success in their environment, okay? So a coach who is unwilling to share success stories or it's not out there with pictures or whatever, I think it's really valuable to ask some more questions. Now, if you're with someone who's just stepped out of their corporate role, like I had people who followed me out of my corporate to, to coach with me privately, they're not going to have a lot of stuff. So, of course, we give grace. But you just want to make sure that you're working with someone who others have had an experience with that speaks to the results that you're looking for. And that is the order of importance I would give. And kind of in line with that, I just got another message that kind of goes into that. Would you say... Um, yeah. That if people are looking for a coach, should they find one that has experience 
in the career path that they want to pursue? Or, I mean, I guess, how would you handle someone who needs a career coach in in certain expertises or certain career paths, Mm -hmm. things like that? Yeah, I don't have a strong opinion about that. And I don't want to miss the second part of the first question. I don't have a strong opinion about that. I will tell everybody, the reason I coach women in technology is because I'm hella passionate about it. I am so passionate. I drive everyone crazy. My prom is coming at the end of this um, month. It's Grace Hopper celebration. 30,000 women in technology and allies from all over the world come together virtually. It's just the best. I think for me, that was more important for me, that whatever it was I was working on. So when I was dealing with aggression versus assertiveness, when I was stepping into being a leader who created a legacy rather than a leader who then got to that next higher level, I wanted a coach and I needed a coach that was super passionate about legacy leadership, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that from my experience is more important then, for example, I have I have two clients right now who are engineers, and I don't really know much about engineering, but I know about being a woman in technology. I'm super passionate about it, and that is where they're growing in their engineering, and so it's a really good fit. I don't think I answered that question really well, but I hope that those thoughts helped a little bit. Yeah, I think that that was good. Um, I think you wanted to get back to the original question, so my apologies. I think you were. Oh no, I just wanted to make sure I didn't. I didn't skip it. What was the second part? I can't remember, but I, I remember being like, "Ooh, that's a good one." Oh, can you continue to keep a relationship with your coach so that you can come back if you're looking to climb higher? Oh my gosh, heck yeah! So that first <laughs> coach that I talked about is actually a good friend of mine now. She ended up um, dating someone, and they're probably going to get married whenever people can get married again uh, <laughs> celebrate with their huge families absolutely in fact um one of my very first clients after I left my corporate gig just sent me an email today to let me know like hey I'm doing this thing and I am struggling with this part is that something that you can support me with and I'm like heck yes I can totally support you coaches grow and coaches change so there's sometimes that people come to me and I'm like I'm not the right person anymore but there could be someone here but absolutely like almost all of my clients end up becoming people in my greater community and what's really cool about that is that you know one of my clients right now she just loves everything that flies she just like floats from her chair when she talks about things that fly and the technology that makes it possible. And I just happened to know somebody that was on the original engineering team for the spy planes back in the 70s and 80s, right? And that was just because of various relationships. And so, of course, you can stay in contact, especially if you've had a great experience. And, you know, also really good coaches put out marketing as inspiration. So I have a podcast. I use that for inspiration. Most of our clients are actually referrals. So, yeah, totally. Absolutely. That is really good to know. And um, thank you to the two people that sent me messages for questions. That's great. Keep them coming. Um, One thing I kind of wanted to touch on, um, kind of not a great or fun topic, um, but it's disheartening to see how many people, regardless of gender, regardless of race, but how many people currently are working in toxic workplaces, just from what I've seen, from what I've heard. Do you have any advice or any thoughts on people that are currently navigating those type of cultures or behaviors at their work and can't afford to just, you know, quit their job without having something lined up? And hey, thank you so much. Like, let's be real. Money is a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I really like money. I I just want y'all to be very uncomfortable for a second hearing a woman say, I really like money. It's important to me. And when I didn't have enough, it meant I was hungry. It meant we didn't have central heating. It meant my mom was trapped in a horribly toxic situation, right? And having enough means when one system isn't working for my child, 
I can literally move my family across the world to find better opportunity, right? And people call me an, uh, what do they call me? They call me an expat, not an immigrant, right? Like money changes so much. So I just want to honor that, right? At the same time, something like four out of um, four out of seven full-time employed people want to get out of where they're working. So let's pretend that that is me. And I also am not in the position to say, bop, 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 see ya, goodbye. I'm done, right? The very first thing is acknowledgement. It sucks and it's horrible and it sucks your soul and it's painful and it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop when you go for a run. It doesn't stop when you lay down in your bed. It's still bad on Saturday, on whatever national holidays of where you are. It doesn't stop when you get drunk. It's hard and it's really, really hard. I worked for a little while for a woman who told me I was 28 years old, thank God I had a coach and a, and a therapist <laughs> and a best friend and my partner who's not my husband, um, who told me she didn't like ambitious young women. So that guy has screwed me. It's horrible. So the first part is acknowledgement. The second part is identifying your role in the broken toxic system. As much, and this is not victim blaming, uh, 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 we do not take people out of their accountability, but getting the clarity of your role. For example, with the woman who told me that she didn't like working with young ambitious women, um, I became the aggressor. I became the one who was always referencing my youth. I always figured out a way to say it. <laughs> and that elevates the toxicity. In other situations, silence may elevate the toxicity, right? I am not talking about racial slurs. I'm not talking about sexual harassment. I am talking about your boss is a pain in the butt or you're a pain in the butt, whatever. You're working 80 hours a week. Getting clear on your role inside of that system will already create light for how you can shift while you are looking for your next role. You will also show up in completely different energy. Having done hundreds of interviews, how you show up to an interview tells me if I can trust you or not. And so if you are clear on your role in the system that's hurting you, you will actually show up in new roles differently. So acknowledgement and um, getting clear on your role. And then the third thing is that you start spider networking the just spider networking and letting people know you're doing fine. I know that does it's not completely true, but you have your job. It's paying for your bills. Not a great situation, but you're looking for your next thing and you're going to be clear about what you're looking for and you're going to ask them how they might be able to help you. I get so many of these messages from people from my corporate career and if they're good or if I enjoyed working with them, I'm going to help them. But if they don't ask me, there's no way I can know how to support them. So spider networking towards what it is that you actually are headed towards. And a quite a lot, quite a lot of my clients have been either racially, um, unfortunately, a lot of religious kind of nonsense as well as well as, well as um, sexual harassment happens to men as well. Um, they actually do a quick leap. So they'll move out, get into a, um, a temporary position of one or two years and um, collect whatever, whatever they're going to collect there. And then they make a really big power move. So I hope that that helped. It's not always what people want to hear. No, I think uh, it, I think it's important just to obviously, you know, uh, throw it out there because I mean, it's surrounding yeah. a lot of people and people are being literally worked to death right now. I mean, it's just, yeah. I feel like working remotely has a grave cause for concern, especially for um, mental health, just because, you know, your clients are expecting you to kind of roll out of bed and get on a call and stay there till mm -hmm. the end of the, the evening. So I'm yeah. glad you kind of touched on that. But um, uh, try can, just I, can I add something there? Mm -hmm. can I, 
So, and this is just my experience, but I'd love to hear your experience as well. And I'm going back a few years. I, I wore a suit every day to work and I learned how to run in heels. And when I say run, I don't mean down the hallway. I actually worked at a campus with about 25,000 people. I was running a good half a kilometer in heels because I was so wrapped up in this idea that I could not take a break. And I actually needed to learn that there is an off button on all devices. There's an airplane modus on your cell phone and utilizing language. And I will tell you, I did this very wrong until I started to get it right. <laughs> so, right? Saying to people, literally, I need a human break. So I now say that because I, I, I consult with some companies as well, and I'm usually working with their executive line who are very used to getting, you know, they a lot of times they've surrounded themselves with very, very smart people who just figure things out. And then I come along and I'm like, you want behavior change? Here's behavior change. I need a human break. I'm not doing four-hour meetings in which I'm silent for two hours. You have to do the prep work beforehand, right? I understand that I'm in a slightly different position now. I get that. But what I do just want to encourage everyone is I have worked remotely and I've worked globally. So I had team members in almost every single part of the world. Everyone needs to see a role model for not killing yourself to be underpaid. Turn it off. There is an off button. Do you see how it is to be coached by me now? <laughs> Turn it off. There is an off button. And no, I absolutely will not be responding to everything based on your time zone. One of my executive clients right now, he just added into his email. It says, my time zone is not your time zone. I do not expect you to answer on my time zone. That is shifting the behavior in his group like crazy but an individual contributor can do can have that role modeling effect as well and the other thing that I just wanted to say is a lot of the times and this was very true for me and it's true currently for maybe about 40% of my clients they don't believe that they're worthy enough to say no and that's what we're working on you are worthy you are a human your family matters your health matters your hobbies matter so treat yourself like that <laughs> and if you can't treat yourself like that find someone in your life for me it was my now husband who kept saying you matter not work right you matter and for the analytical folks out there who need to see a number there's an amazing resource out there it's a hour sal salary to hourly calculator and you can get it in almost every um, currency there's a couple big currencies that you can't but you put your salary in there and then you put the number of hours you're working the hours you're obsessing about work the hours you're complaining about work the hours that you're you put it in there and you figure out that you were being paid about six dollars an hour and you didn't go through all of this you know education and life experience to be so drastically underpaid that's a good takeaway. And kind of talking about salary, I know you definitely, definitely, definitely persuade people to negotiate, 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 whether it be yes, when yes. you get promoted, whether you find a new role, yes, yes. any tips on, on negotiation that you can share with the group? Oh, absolutely. And then I've also gotten really, really cool questions um, that I'd, I'd love to answer as well. Okay, so for negotiation, um, start early and decide what your no-go is. So one of the exercises that I do um, with clients, and it's always super easy until it's not, right? So it's like, okay, you are going for this imaginary job. Everything is perfect. Will you accept 50,000 for it? Is that a in between one and five? Is that a one, two, three, four, or five, right? And they'll say, that's a one. I'm not doing it for 50. I'm like, okay, great. 60. No, that's still a one. 70. That's still a one. Whatever it is, right? Until you find a number where they're like, mm, that's a two. If you take a job at a salary that's worth a two for you, no matter what that number is, you're not going to be happy. So let's go higher. Let's look for that three. And when you find it, you know what your bottom is, right? That's your emotional layer because everybody has already overthought it. So you don't need to do any research first. Okay. Once you have your emotional level, then you go and you talk to people. Of course, you can pay 
for the databases and you can pay someone to do the research. It's usually around, I don't know, 75 or $150 or something. I, to be honest with you, I don't know because I didn't use it. Um, some of my clients have used different sources. And then you practice in the mirror. Yes, that's weird, right? <laughs> you practice in the mirror because in, until you can say to yourself, my range is 200 to 250. No giggles, no men do a lot with their eyebrows, none of that nonsense. Until you can say that, I know you're not serious. I know that you probably found that number somewhere and you think it's way over your head. Practice in the mirror. And then follow all the classic advice. Don't give a number too early, give a range, ask them what they're considering because you know that they're all budgeted. So, and do you wanna work for, a, okay, this is privileged speaking, but do you really want to work for a place that doesn't tell you the truth? Like doesn't give you the flat out, this is what we've budgeted for this role? I don't know. That's a question, but it's a valuable question. Um, and then any single time that you're in a conversation with a manager, you want to start or hire a manager, recruiter, whomever. You want to start the relationship as an advocate for yourself and for your money. So even if they say to you, the top, top, top that we can do is 50000 right? The top, top, top you can do, and you're hoping for 55. I mean, you can literally say to them, okay, I'm willing to accept that, and when do we talk about the 55? <laughs> mm, <laughs> right? Nice. Like, just always advocate for yourself. And as a former manager and as a leader of major projects and programs that ran globally, that never annoyed me ever you know who it annoyed the people who were underpaid or thought poorly of women or people of color or people of a different geography or people who had a different accent whatever but that was them that was that person's problem never the person who was negotiating right nice i like that i hope that that was helpful yeah it was do you want to okay. get to some of your questions yes so the first thing that I would say is, hell yes, entrepreneurs are very often underpaid. <laughs> entrepreneurs need to learn the system profit first. <laughs> okay, so that's one thing. Um, but what I would say is I hired a number of people and I've also been approached recently by leading organizations to see if I would come inside and do a full-time job. That just doesn't fit my family right now or my passion. I think it's amazing when people boomerang. They boomerang in and out of their own entrepreneur, like think about the passion, the dedication, the devotion, the curiosity, the I'm, I see an issue, so I'm going to do it. That's required to go out on your own. And for that person to then be willing to bring everything they learned into my corporation or into my startup. Yeah, that's a no brainer for me. Again, like a lot of it is that clarity of who do you want to be? Right. And when, you know, when, for example, PwC just approached me and that's not who I want to be right now. Does that mean that's not who I want to be when I'm 45? I don't know. I'm not 45, 55. I have no idea. Right. Like, I think it's amazing. And I hired successful and failed entrepreneurs. And I would just remind everybody that most scale investors want to see at least at least two failures before they're willing to invest in you so that they know you got up again. They know you'll figure out how to be scrappy, right? So that is my response. I hope that that's helpful. And if you have any follow-up questions. Okay, and the other one is a very painful one to read. <laughs> so, um, so girl, this was my story as well. She was underhired at her level and it limits her from applying internally to other positions. Um, she's currently in a P&L kind of role and wants to move into a specific program. The question is, do I move to another company? Okay, I wanna give a general answer and then dear questioner, your specific employer, has some specific steps inside of it. So I'm very happy to talk about that later. Um, so if you are under hired and you've already um, had that conversation and your management is not willing to go to bat for you and you also aren't able to do a, um, if it's not horizontal, what's the other word? Oh, yeah. Vertical. Vertical. And you're not <laughs> able to do a vertical move. Thank you. 
Um, there's a couple of options that you have. One option, and this is this is some, this is what I did. I'll tell you, this is what I did. Um, I moved horizontally into a manager that was known for elevating others, and I was very very candid in my conversation in moving into that other team. I went from uh, a role that was kind of education based into a role that was kind of it was kind of like program management based for for a technical team and I made that choice because it was a career move and I was not in the position at the time to be able to slap my hands together and be like I got student loans and bills but I'm just gonna quit my job like that wasn't an option for me at the time so that's one option I will say that in today's current growth all of my clients have multiple offers all of them find another employer that is if, if that is an option for you and you're in a location and you're willing to do that work all of my clients have multiple offers um, and so go there's so much opportunity on the market it's a little bit crazy right now in fact recruiters are saying that they get too many applications for some and not enough applications for others. So especially if you're not working into your role, um, it's a really powerful way to do that. Um, but again, I would just say your employer has some specific special stuff. So please let me know if that can help. The other thing is um, if someone's going for a promotion, I actually give a, um, a speech that companies pay money for, but I put it into my podcast. <laughs> my podcast is called Celebrate Brave, how to make your next promotion inevitable. And that could definitely help as well. All righty. Nice. Um, yeah. Can you let people know, I want to make sure we get this in before we run out of time. If they're interested yeah. in learning more or wanting resources, um, how do they contact you other than sending you a message via Fishbowl? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Fishbowl's great. I actually discovered Fishbowl over you. And I'm so grateful, because I know that I've learned a lot already. So that's great. Um, the other option is I'm on LinkedIn quite a lot. So LinkedIn is there. And then of course, I have my website, which is tricksteinbach.com. And my email is Nicole at tricksteinbach.com. And if you just want inspiration, if you're like, this lady is bossy and clear and plays on the edges, my podcast is called Celebrate Brave. We're in season two. And um, this last episode was about the glass cliff. And the episode about that was all about getting untamed with um, Zoe Evans, who is a founder of Founders Group in Aberdeen, Scotland. So that was really cool. Nice. Thank you for yeah. that. Okay. I got the question through. Cool. And dear person, I want to hug you. You're going to see a little bit of passion flying. So this is my warning. Okay. She accepted a role and it was a bait and a switch. Hands raised if you've had that experience. Um, and it, it really feels like a demotion and, um, is she is now trying to pivot back, but is concerned that after a year, the experience will be seen as irrelevant. Okay. And not wanting to lowball, not to be a broken record. Uh, but the very first thing is who do you want to be? Um, you are not someone who accepts things that are bait and switch. Someone else did that. Okay. You expected integrity, most likely because you give integrity and you met with a wall and that wall sucks. It's stinky. That's not great. Right. And you also learned. I am willing to bet that if I had you take a piece of paper and a pen, everybody, and you wrote down what you learned in the last nine months, you would have a really long list. Some of them would be breakthroughs and some of them would be not they would be moments that you take throughout the rest of your life right so one year can be both a transformative period of time and it can be one tiny little year right so like think back to i think about the year i was 24 that was a big year for me now i'm 40 it's just a tiny little unit of time in most places of the world people take years off 
they go and they do something else or they do a social sabbatical or they have a child or they care give for their elder or they do a civil year or I mean it's incredible what so many different cultures in the world how they have this flow in a much less industrialized supremacist capitalist kind of way like it's all there for sure but there's this flow so I just want to encourage you like be clear on who you want to be it's one year you learned so much and in that learning you're going to take that forward into your career and I would just offer to you that folks don't like a major transformation doesn't have to take a long time and just because you went one one step you feel like you went a step back doesn't mean you can only take one step up right so I want to share with you an example from my life I was on a global program it was the key strategic program and everybody was jealous and I was flying real high <laughs> And then for a variety of reasons, that role ended up getting broken out into four. And I was so hurt. I felt like I had been told that I wasn't doing a good enough job. Now I look at that and I'm like, they had to replace me with three other people. I was doing four people's jobs. But at the time I was really, really hurt and I felt like I'd been demoted. And I felt like, okay, so now I go back to doing a manager job like that. That's great, right? But in reality, when I started talking to people about my next role, and again, I was using something called appreciative language when I was having these fighter networking conversations, the very next role that I had stepped me into a director role. It doesn't have to be when you feel like you went down a step and now you just have to recover that ground. I know that this sounds very airy-fairy and people are probably like, yeah, 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 yeah. Who does she think she is? Maybe a little bit. That's fine. The reality is that the results are on my side <laughs> and you can, you absolutely can step up and I have seen so much opportunity and I don't know exactly which industry you're in. Some industries are a little more rigid than others. Um, so you're going to have to think about, oh, okay, here it is. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have to, oh, thank you. Oh, you were even more specific. Oh, girl, you're fine. Like, who do you want to be? Spider network into it. Be specific about the skill set. Know what you learned from this experience and, um, and move forward. I hope that that's motivating. It really sucks when you're in a situation and you're taken advantage of. And, and sometimes, you know, the strategy changed. Like the, in my case, the strategy changed and governance changed. And even if everyone was well-meaning, it was real. It was a really painful experience. I hope that helped. Okay. I think I'm glad that was that helped. Awesome advice. Awesome. Awesome. Do you have any other um, messages, Nicole? I do. Um, yes. This is an amazing time for remote positions because companies are earning a lot of money and they're getting some really nice kickbacks for not bringing people into cities that are under climate change um, issues. And that's going to continue. So depending on where you are in the world, there are some US areas, very few, but globally, there's a lot that really want to see more remote work. It drives down your carbon footprint. It puts less pressure on the infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then for salary, I will tell you, I personally, in tech, I have to be careful when I say this, in tech, I have not seen a dip in salary because you're not in a specific location. There's also some really great research and data out there for corporations like Twitter, um, corporations like uh, SAP, um, places like that who have publicly stated that they're just going to flatten their salary bands. So that should... Um, not be a problem. Okay. And can I just brag for a second? Yeah. I'm so excited, ladies, women. Um, research tells us that women speak up about 20% of what men do. And we are rocking it. We are rocking <laughs> it. So excited. 
Um, okay, and then I have a specific question around um, a long-term career coach and recommendations for resources. Yeah, so there's some really great resources out there. Um, so one thing, if you want to trial a number of people, is to check out clarity.fm, especially if you're looking for someone who has your specific background. Um, that can be an opportunity just to meet a few people and to figure out if that works for you. Another opportunity is um, the coaching federate I think it's called um, ICF there's a really significant coaching database that's available there um, so that's another place to talk to and then this takes a lot more time but I will tell you that for me and for my clients it's really worked well so I'm not listed in the ICF um, I made the choice not to be just because of my background I stood out and I, I just got too much is I catch like I watch people on LinkedIn because that's a really serious place for me it's I try to make it fun and I see who is pulling me and where do I feel drawn to so my current coach for my financing and billing and profit first and everything she's actually like a spiritual person which is super fascinating um, and she really pulled me in that way um, especially like if you are feeling monotonous that's a great way to see like who's pulling you and what kind of energy is interesting to you what kind of topics are interesting to you because you know you'll know the fit is so important to go back to like how do you choose a coach fit ease of working together that kind of thing is really when you're gonna but I would be happy to talk to you as well because I know some people who have that background and um, if your current employer is current I know some people who have some experiences there as well so yeah I can spend some time and then um, I just have a lot of thank you messages which I think is really sweet I'm very grateful Aww. for yeah yeah that is so nice. I mean, I thought that yeah. this was really informative. Um, again, I feel like the landscape, especially with career coaching and things like that can be a little confusing. So yeah. I'm just thankful that you were able to come on and be be yourself and kind of say, you know, what was what to kind of help everybody answer their questions. And I know we only have a few minutes left, but it, do you have any kind of closing remarks you wanted to make, Nicole? So one thing that I would love to share is that investing in yourself never ends. And when we think about the best of the best, the people that we know, the people we look up to, and I'm not talking about the Oprah's or the Angela Merkel's or whomever, right? I'm talking about the people in our worlds and our communities that we look at them and we say, wow, you know, they've accomplished this or they've grown that way or whatever. Those people are investing in themselves. So if it's therapy, if it's um, a, a group program, if it's one-on-one -on -one coaching, if it's a certification, invest in yourself. You matter, you are worthy, you are so important, and I know I've quoted a lot of people, but one of the quotes that really sticks with me is, you know, the world actually needs what is unique about you. The world really does need you and the uniqueness that you bring in. So give yourself that gift and then keep giving yourself that gift because it's not just about you, it's also about me. It's about the generations coming up. It's about our elders, it's about our climate. So invest in yourself. That is very powerful. I love, I love that quote, invest. And it's, it's, it's so easy, but I feel like people forget to invest in themselves. They're so worried about their families and their colleagues and their clients. It's, it's hard to kind of take that moment of clarity and just work on you. So thank you so much for sharing that. Well, thank you again for your time. Um, I hope you have a great Friday and a great weekend. I hope everybody um, has a great weekend. Thank you for joining this um, live session. And again, feel free to message us with any questions or comments or anything that you would want to see in the future. But thank you so much. And I hope everybody has a great evening. Bye, y'all. Bye. That's all, folks. Thanks again for listening to Hardly Working. Join us live next time and talk directly to the speakers and, who knows, end up here. Fishbowl is a social network where professionals of the same industry have anonymous career conversations. You can download Fishbowl on the App Store or Google Play. 
If you want to host a Fishbowl live event, get in touch at live at fishbowlapp.com. See you soon.